this is Professor Jeffrey Amundsen. We know Jeff as um, Jeff from down the corridor who comes to our stats meetings and livens them up every month. <laughs> uh, but the world of pharmacology knows Jeff as a leading clinical pharmacologist and editor of, um, I can't remember the exact name of the book, it's a definitive, um, constantly updated definitive index of drug reactions and interactions. Is that a fair description? That will do. Um, we've really enjoyed collaborating with Jeff on many of the projects we do in the primary care department and we enjoy his talks. Let's hope you do too. Yeah, thanks very much. Thank you. <coughs> well, I hope, <coughs> hope the title I've given <coughs> excuse me, is not too much of a come on. I hope it works. This thing. Yeah, there it is. Little known law of numbers. Uh, my experience in talking to people about this has been that it is little known. When I gave this talk to the Stats Coven, as it's called, in the Centre for Evidence-Based Medicine, I think three people out of about 20 said they'd heard of it. But maybe some of you have heard of it and are going to be disappointed that it's not little known. So I apologise if that's the case in advance. Any mathematicians here? Just one. Well, oh, two. <laughs> right. Well, you'll be able to explain things I can't explain. That's good. Any statisticians? Some nobody else, nobody else admitting to be a statistician. Well, you'll be able to say what the probability is that any explanations given are true. So that will be helpful as well. Uh, now, I, I usually start with some uh, conflicts of interest. Let's move this over here if I can. Is there a slide changer? Okay. Slide changer and laser pointer. That's still there. Good. Okay. Let's try that. Okay. So I have, apart from being a physician and a clinical pharmacologist, I'm not a mathematician, not a statistician. Those are my disavowals. I have, and I'm a member of the Centre for Evidence-Based Medicine in Oxford. Uh, I do have other things that go on that you ought to know about. Uh, I'm connected with the British Pharmacological Society, uh, British National Formulary, British Pharmacopoeia Commission, the West Midlands Centre for Adverse Drug Reactions, that's in Birmingham, and I am a colleague, as Richard said, of Richard Stevens. <laughs> You just know where I stand. Now, okay, so I'm going to give you a task, a question. This is two sets of data, supposedly the area in square kilometres of each of these countries. And the list goes on, about 196 of them, I think, in this example. So you've got all the areas of all the countries. And the question is, are these real data or fake data? Right? So have a look at the data and decide whether you can answer that question to start with. Don't say anything. Oh, and by the way, if any of you does know this little known law, don't say, oh yeah, I know, oh yeah, yeah. please keep quiet for the moment. <laughs> I'll ask you all later. Okay, so you've had a chance to look at these data and decide whether they're real or fake. Good. Now I've selected, not at random, this is not a random selection, as you'll see, nine countries from that list, and there are their populations. 
And if I <coughs> truncated them, the last seven digits, I'd have the leading digit in each case. And I'd have one, 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 two, one, three, one, four, and so on. So all I'm interested in is the leading digit. Okay? <coughs> so the question is, if I take all 196 or whatever countries, what is the distribution of the numbers of leading digits? Right? So that's the question I have to ask of you. <coughs> what is the distribution of, the, say, let's say, 100 leading digits? Okay? So here we are, we have the leading digits, and I'm going to suggest some possible distributions. And here they are. Four possible distributions. The first distribution is completely equal, a flat distribution, the same number of ones, the same number of twos, the same number of threes, same number of fours. Okay? The second distribution is a lot of ones, fewer twos, and so on, down to very few nines. And the third distribution is that one upside down. <coughs> Lots of nines, very few ones. And the fourth distribution is a normal distribution. Bell-shaped curve. Okay, so I'll give you a minute, just to, well, a second or two, just to think about it. <coughs> then I'm going to ask you to vote. This is not Brexit. It's, <laughs> you won't be held by it. Okay, everybody ready? So who votes for this distribution here? All equal across the board. Nobody's interested in that one. No, good, okay. How about the second distribution? Lots of ones, very few nines. Mm -hmm. Got three for that one, good, okay. How about lots of nines and very few ones? Yeah, nobody uh, willing to, there's a few, <laughs> you know, there's not going to be, we're not going to cut your heads off <laughs> if, you get, if you get it wrong or whatever, it doesn't matter. Have a go, guess. If you don't know, have a guess. <laughs> And what about the normal distribution? Any offers for that? One, two. You're not a very good audience. You haven't, uh, you haven't participated. Let's try it again. I want everybody to guess if you don't know. All right? I won't shoot you. The even distribution. What about guesses? One guess. Very good. Two guesses. All right. I'm watching to see if you put your hands up again. <laughs> Vote often, you know, vote. vote. <laughs> okay, second distribution, lots of ones. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, very good. Uh, this one, lots of nines, one, two, three, yes. And the normal distribution, yeah, half a dozen or so. So I guess that's no better than chance in a small group. I don't need to do a significance test, but actually that's the answer. Right. Does anybody know what this distribution is called? Anybody come across it? No? Well, you know, because you, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so it is little known, it appears. It's called Benford's Law, or Benford's Distribution. Uh, and it's, uh, it is frankly surprising. When I first was asked this, I thought, well, it's, it's just going to be even, isn't it? If I hadn't called it a little-known law of numbers and you thought there was something funny going on here, you might all have voted for that, I guess. I don't know. That's what I thought. 
when I first heard the, the problem. I thought, surely they're all going to be normally, they're all going to be the same amount, equal numbers of each. Turns out not. <clears throat> and that's the distribution. The probability that any number will uh, occur is the logarithm of that number plus one over the number. That's Benford's distribution, so-called. And we'll, I'll show you why. <coughs> and there it is. So that's where these numbers come from. Log 2 over 1, log 3 over 2, log 4 over 3. And there's the distribution that you saw before, rounded off. Okay, that's where it comes from. All right. Uh, has anybody heard of Stigler's Law of Eponymy? Stigler's Law? Stigler's Law was propounded by Mr. Stigler, Dr. Stigler. And he says, uh, I've chosen for the title of this paper Stigler's Law of Eponymy, which may appear to be a flagrant violation of the institutional norm of humility. <laughs> but actually, Stigler's calling st the law, Stigler's Law, obeys Stigler's Law. It's very self-referential. Because Stigler's law is that no scientific discovery is named after its original discoverer, and Stigler did not discover Stigler's law. So Stigler's law obeys Stigler's law. Uh, and Stigler, this is a, it's a great paper. <coughs> Stigler goes on to mention R.K. Merton, Robert Merton, some of you may have heard, a great sociologist of science, who wrote some wonderful papers. He was the man who first pointed out the law of... Um, uh, unexpected consequences or unintended consequences. His paper on that is, is very worth reading. Uh, and so Stigler quotes Merton, saying that Merton's famous hypothesis is that all scientific discoveries are in principle multiples. Actually, of course, it goes back beyond that, before that, before Merton even. This is George Sarton in a book written in 1936, The Study of the History of Science, and he says, creations absolutely de novo, are very rare if they occur at all. Uh, and of course we know that things are discovered simultaneously by different people. Russell and, um, Wallace and Russell discovering the idea of evolution simultaneously. Leibniz and Newton discovering the ideas of calculus simultaneously and much disputed and so on. I, call, I, I called this independently before I ever learnt about Stigler I called it the law of nomen. Nomen is the Latin, of course, for a name. So it seemed to me that was a good name for a name. <coughs> and it stands for non-original malappropriate eponymous nomenclature. And it's Stigler's law. No entity is named after its discoverer. Actually, it comes from this man, Simon Newcomb, who showed it in 1881. And he published this paper in the American Journal of Mathematics, and what he noticed, and this is well known by those who know it, was that if you had a book of logarithmic tables, and we, we couldn't discover this today because we don't have books of logarithmic tables, he found that the first pages were much more thumbed than the last pages. It's a fascinating observation. And he said, well, this is odd. People are looking up the ones more than the nines. And he looked into this distribution and he said the first significant figure is oftener one than any other digit and the frequency diminishes up to nine. Beautiful demonstration. <coughs> and then he goes on 
to ask other questions that I won't go into. And look, he's got it all. There are the distributions that I pointed out in that column there. Exactly the distributions. And of course, it's bound to be exact because he derived it in the way I've just shown you. It's log d plus 1 over d. And the law of probability, he says, of the occurrence of numbers is such that all mantissae of their logarithms are equally probable. <clears throat> so it's a logarithmic law. And a lot of things in science, in biology, follow logarithmic distributions, of course. Uh, and actually, in passing, one can note that it's not just the first digit. It can be the first pair of digits. 10, 11, 12, 13. The same law applies. It's log d plus 1 over d. And you can go on calculating the probabilities, and it all fits, as I'll show you later. So in comes Benford in the 1930s, 1938. And he repeats this observation and derives the same law. Whether he knew about the previous derivative, I don't know, but he certainly quotes the, the, the grubby pages hypothesis that is well known from books of logarithms. And this time, what he does is he actually tests the law. He takes a whole load of data and he tests the law and he finds it fits. And I think... So he says the law of anomalous numbers, he calls them, is thus a general probability law of widespread application. And there are some of his data. And this is prime numbers. And he's plotted the distribution of first digits, leading digits, in all the prime numbers. Uh, in the top left, it's the first 5.7 million. The next one is the first 50 million, then 455 million, and then 4 billion, 4 billion prime numbers. And the law holds throughout. Oh, in fact, it improves, as you can see, very slightly, the more you have to analyze. Now I did an analysis of this sort on the country data that I showed you at the beginning. And here they are, it's just 196 countries, but you can see the leading digits in the populations of the capitals of those countries follows Benford's law. So does the frequency of the leading digits of the populations of the countries as a whole, not just the capitals, but the populations of the countries as a whole. So do the frequencies of the leading digits in the areas, in square miles, of those countries. And if you did it in square kilometers, it would be exactly the same. Or in Egyptian cubits, it, it, it just uh, it, it, uh, scales. Square kilometers. So now you are in a position to say whether these data are real or fake. I'll give you a minute or two to think about it. Okay, so I'm going to ask you if you think these data are fake. All right. 
Anybody think that the first column are the fake data? I'm not saying they're both, they may both be fake, they may both be real. Okay? So, anybody think that the first column are fake data? Guess if you want, you know, there's no, no penalty. No, nobody for that. What about the second column? Well, you think those might be fake? Yeah, yeah. There's no ones. They don't begin with one, any of them. But the first column, there are some, so you, you, they might be, they might not be. It's a small sample, of course, um, and as I've said, I've ans- analysed the whole data set. <coughs> but here are the distributions. There's the distribution for the first one. So, it, yeah, you can't tell, really. You c- certainly couldn't tell they were fake. You couldn't, con- you couldn't say these are fake data. You can't, on the other hand, say these are real data. It looks as if they probably are, but it's not a big enough sample. But you'd be damn sure those were fake. A pretty high probability that they are fake data. Okay. There are some statistics that match Benford's law. And you can read them for yourselves. Some interesting <laughs> interesting sets of data there. These all obey Benford's law. It's quite striking. It really is amazing. Uh, here's some more. This is top left is the distribution of 122,000 cities in the world according to the heights above sea level in meters and on the right in royal Egyptian cubits <laughs> just for the hell of it. A daily volume of shares on NASDAQ, import export volumes for seafood, fish and so on. That's the URL of that particular website. And I said the leading pairs of digits. There you are. NASDAQ daily trading volumes. And as you can see, you remember that the 9s start at 4.5. So here we have the 10s, 11s, 12s, up to the 99s. All following Benford's Law with incredible... Precision, accuracy, don't, don't correct me. Okay, it's quite amazing, really. So why is this? Well, this is how I understand it. We've got a pencil, a little stubby pencil. It's one unit in length. And I'm going to make the pencil grow. Oh, that shouldn't be there, sorry. Doesn't matter. I'm going, until it's two units in length, Right? And it's going to grow at a uniform rate. So the time it takes to grow from one unit to two units is the time it takes to double in length. Now, if I measured the length of it every second, let's say, I'd have a range of numbers, all of which began with a 1. 1.01, During that period, I would have... 99, say, or however many numbers beginning with a 1. But if it continues to grow, when it grows between 2 and 3, it only has to grow by half the length. And so there will be fewer 2s during the same time, because the proportion by which it's growing is not as large. Similarly, when it grows to 4 units, it's only growing by a third. So in the same 
interval growing at the same rate, there will be fewer threes than there were twos, and fewer twos than there were ones. That explains it. And it's a logarithmic distribution. So if you, if you, plot, the logar- uh, if you plot the normal numbers on a logarithmic scale, that's 30%, log 2 is 0. 0.3010, right? so that's 30% of the way from 1 to 10, and so on. As you go up the scale, the spaces become narrower and narrower. Anybody who's ever used a log paper for drawing, as I do sometimes for drawing, plasma concentration versus time curves, which are log-linear, if you give a drug to someone, measure the plasma concentrations, the concentration falls exponentially. And if you plot it on a logarithmic concentration scale against time, it's a straight line. And the logarithmic concentrations look like that. They get smaller and smaller as you go up from 1 to 10. But when you get to 10, to get to 20, you've got to double again. (laughs) Going from 10 to 11 is smaller again than this. But going from 10 to 20 is the same size as going from 1 to 2. So here you have to increase by 100%, here by 50%, here by 33%, and so on. And so if we go back to our law, we see that's exactly what it is. 3 over 2 is 1 and a half, it's 50% more. 4 over 3 is 1 and a third, it's 33% more. Just like the pencil growing. That is why Benford's law applies. Here's uh, a paper, can't remember where this comes from, but it's, it's post-email, so it's relatively recent, on first digits of squares and cubes. Here's one on the first digit frequencies of prime numbers. Well, we saw that Benford did that, but this, these pair did the, the zeros of the Riemann-Zeta function, which is to do with the distribution of primes. Uh, and to do with the famous Riemann hypothesis so far unsolved or unproven. I wondered if I could get a set of data that might follow Benford's law. And so I thought, well, the simplest set of data I can access without going to an encyclopedia, the stuff on, on, um, on the countries, the populations and so on, was from Whitaker's Almanac that I analysed. This is from my computer. If you look at your computer, you've got .doc and .pdf and so on. They all have document sizes, so many kilobases. So I thought, well, I'll take out all the data on, in my computer and see if the sizes of the documents fit Benford's law. And they, mm, yeah. <laughs> it's not significantly different, but it's, it's not quite right, is it? It's not quite fitting. So I thought, well, maybe I haven't got a big enough sample. 330, it should be enough. But maybe I don't have a big enough sample. So I extended it to more, stayed the same. 850, stayed the same. And there they all are. So this, it doesn't quite fit. So I presented the data to the stats coven, and we discussed it. And I thought, well, maybe it's something to do with the fact that I'm mixing up dot doc, dot docx, dot pdf, and so on. Maybe I should separate them out. So I did this afternoon on the train. That's what I did. And that's the pdfs. It's not helping. 
and worse still, the dot docks are actually significantly different by chi-square. I just did a simple chi-square with 8 degrees of freedom, and it's less than 0.2. So there is something not quite right about these data. Or not quite conventional, shall we say. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but this man, Theodore Hill, is the world's, one of the world's experts on this Benford's Law. And this is what he says. <clears throat> if distributions are selected at random in any unbiased way, I suspect that's important. I think the PDF data may be reasonably random, but I think the .doc data probably aren't, because they're my Word files, and I write a blog every week, and it's the same length every time. Or I write a, an article for a journal, and it's similar length every time. So I suspect that there is bias in the .doc data, which explains why they're so bad. I wouldn't have expected bias in the PDF data, but maybe there is a source of bias there. I don't know. It's just a hypothesis. Uh, then he says the significant digit frequencies, that's the first digit or the first two digits, of the combined sample will converge to Benford's distribution. And that's what we saw, in a way. Although the, PD, the dot doc data were rubbish, if you like, did not fit, when I put them in with all the other data, and I haven't analysed all the other, I haven't analysed the PPT and PPTX and so on, when I put them all in, it started to converge, although it clearly hasn't converged fully to Benford's law. So maybe that's what it is, that my sample is biased. So here are some lists of numbers that don't obey Benford's law. Lottery numbers, probably just as well, because otherwise, <laughs> otherwise we'd all be guessing <laughs> to win the lottery with greater ease. The odds would shorten. Incidentally, there's an interesting thing. When, I don't know, do anybody buy lottery tickets here? Nobody foolish enough to... <laughs> yeah, but it would change your life. <laughs> it would, wouldn't it? I mean, that's an interesting argument. Okay, so let me ask you this. When is the best time to buy a lottery ticket? Day before. Why? Before. Why? Because then you've got a chance of Correct. 20 minutes, actually. 20 minutes. 20 minutes. If you buy it before 20 minutes, sooner than 20 minutes, you're more likely to die than win. <laughs> uh, th that just uh, illustrates how unlikely it is that you're going to win. It's a beautiful uh, statistic. I haven't worked that out myself. I read it somewhere. But it's interesting. Telephone numbers. Well, you can read it for yourself. Interestingly, although the Bose-Einstein distribution in quantum mechanics obeys Benford's law, Boltzmann-Gibbs does not, which is a thermodynamic distribution, and the Fermi-Dirac distribution, which is also to do with energy levels at the quantum in, um, in um, uh, um, stable systems, don't obey this law. So I, mean, I don't know anything about physics, so I don't know why. And importantly, fabricated data. Most people who make up data don't know Benford's Law. If they did, they'd get away with it. And actually, probably many of them get away with it anyway. But if you want to make up data, don't forget Benford's Law. <laughs> You'll be all right. On the other hand, I, mean, I remind you of the story of Gregor Mendel. You all know about Gregor Mendel and the sweet peas and how he discovered the laws of genetics. 
<clears throat> well, a famous statistician called R.A. Fisher, whom you'll know from Fisher's exact test, analysed Mendel's data in the 1930s, I think, and concluded that Mendel's data were too good. They were too close to the prediction to be, by, you know, P less than 0001, to be other than possibly, he thought, engineered to fit the hypothesis. Now, maybe Mendel was just lucky. <laughs> or maybe, as some have suggested, his, his uh, gardeners gave him the result they thought he wanted. <laughs> I had a technician like that once. Uh, <laughs> but you know, don't stick too slavishly to Benford's law if you're going to fabricate data. Put some random error in. Well, Luke, Just much. so you know, it's, it's not on the syllabus at the moment. <laughs> 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 How to fabricate data. How to fabricate data. We could have a whole week on that, I suspect. All right. And there's a book on this. It says an introduction, but don't believe it. Uh, and it's been... I, I did a, a systematic... Well, not a systematic review. I kind of flicked through papers that mention Benford's Law in a PubMed search. And it's been widely used, actually, so it's not so little known among those who know it. Uh, here's the, the Fermi Dirac, the Boltzmann Gibbs, and Bose Einstein distributions. Um, discrete dynamical systems, whatever that means. Election irregularities. They analyzed elections that were supposed to have been fraudulent and found that they did not, the data from those elections did not fit Benford's law. Thus, not confirming the fraudulence, but you know, if you think it is in the first place and it doesn't meet Benford's law, you've got pretty good reason for suspecting strongly that it was fraudulent. And uh, recent Russian elections are mentioned there. Uh, one wonders about the American election. Well, no, no, shouldn't say that. Hush my mouth. Public health surveillance systems, which vary from country to country. If the data don't obey Benford's law, it suggests that the surveillance system is not very good because in systems where the surveillance system is good, the data obey Benford's law. So you can pick out countries that are not good at surveying the population for adverse reactions, for example. Uh, there's the scientific fraud. Anesthesia papers. Quality of occupational hygiene data. Drug discovery data might help you in your structure activity relationships. Um, drugs are often discovered because, well, not just discovered, you, dis you discover an effect of a drug on a system, some system or other. If you, <coughs> if you have a target system, say it's an HIV the virus that causes AIDS. And there's a part of that virus that you want to target, a, a protein on the surface of the, of, the, of the virus. And you have 10,000 compounds on your shelves, as drug companies do. You have a 25% chance of hitting that target just from the random collection of stuff you have on your shelves. It's really quite good. Now, what you get may not be very good at hitting the target, but it will hit it. And once you've got that compound, you can modify it, change its structure, until you get a better compound. And that's how some new drugs are discovered. 
And this is known as structure-activity relationships because the activity varies with the structure. And clever chemical pharmacologists, or bio, uh, uh, chem- uh, pharmaceutical chemists, can do this. They can say, well, if we put a, an ethyl group on or a methyl group, that will change the activity and it will make it better at hitting this target. And then you put the, you put the, the structure of the target into a computer and show how it fits the molecule. It's very clever. Anyway, the data you get fit better as well. And that's to do with uh, toxicology, uh, monitoring radiation, all kinds of brain activity. What is going on in your brain at the moment? If it doesn't fit Benford's law, I have failed. (laughs) (laughs) Electroencephalography. Incredible, really. Articles in journals, all sorts of things. This is a good one. If you look at multiple choice tests and the answers at the ends of the chapter, you all had these books of mathematics or physics or whatever, and they have problems at the end of the chapter. At the end of the book, you get the answers to the problems. Well, it turns out that the first digits of the answers follow Benford's law. So you might think that in a multiple-choice question system, if you knew this, you might have a better chance of getting the right answers. Because if you just guess a one, you're more likely to get it right. But it turns out not to work, so that's just as well, because our students (laughs) won't uh, cheat the system in that way, as it were. Uh, Distinguishing noise from chaos, well, there you go. Uh, Skewness in... uh, Distributions in cardiac models, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff. And there is a generalized form of Benford's law, which I think is quite useful. Uh, and I won't go into it because I don't understand the mathematics, but I showed you that the probability of any number d coming as the leading digit was equal log d plus 1 over d. Well, this is a more general law for all sorts of distributions. And in this thing, you have an alpha. And if alpha is zero, then the whole thing collapses to the normal distribution. If alpha is one, it becomes Benford. And for other alphas, I don't know. But it gives you other distributions, which are of interest, I guess, to mathematicians and others. So that's all I can tell you about it. it. It's not something I've read or understand in detail. And there are some distributions that you can see that are different depending on whether alpha is 1, 2, 3, or perhaps even fractional for all I know. I don't know. I mean, you can get fractional polynomials, so I don't see why you shouldn't have a fractional generalized Benford's law. But anyway, the, it can be used for different. So if you, the next thing I suppose I should do is try my data on one of these distributions and see if they fit when I get a a minute off. Uh, And explaining the uneven distribution, the laws of Benford and Zipf. Anybody know what Zipf's law is? Zipf's law is to do with the frequency of words in a corpus, in a dictionary, say, or, well, a corpus of texts. And the fifth, let's say, most common word is 20 times more common than the hundredth most common word. That, it's not, that doesn't necessarily follow 
uh, intuitively, but it turns out to be so. The fifth most common word is 30 times more common than the 150th most common word. There is a distribution of commonness of words in a corpus of language, which is also very interesting. That's Zipf's Law. There's the online bibliography. Anybody that's interested, uh, it's just put in Bedford Onli- Benford Online, and you'll find it, and there's a lot of literature on this, which is where I've gone to look for it. And I think that's it. Thank you.